Let us pray. God of love, you invite us on journeys sometimes we do not expect, in search of things we hope to find. Guide us to those things. May we find them. May we bring them into our hearts, and may they be part of your star in the world so that we can shine your light. Amen. This morning, um, many of us may be holding in our hearts some news that happened over this past week. Um, The situation in Iran is perhaps weighing on us. I will address that in our prayers for the community because our ministers of the church, our president, John Dorhar, issued a statement around that, which I will read during that time. But I just wanted to acknowledge it now before I go into um, the sermon because I know that many UCC churches today will be preaching on the events of this week in particular. But the topic that I had prepared for this week was this message called Trusting Love. And it seemed pertinent because it is epiphany when the wise men leave their home and the Magi look for Jesus and find this shepherd boy in, or this peasant boy, carpenter's son, in a manger and realize that this is the Son of God for them, a, a promised Messiah. And last week we had the wonderful voices of Terry and Ken reading for us um, Herod and Joseph, which lead into this story too. That story was related to Mary and Joseph's flight to Egypt when the angel told them what Herod was plotting. But today is the, the point at which the Magi decide who they want to trust and how they want to trust and figure out that the most loving thing for them was to trust their hearts and to go home by another road, sort of a turning point for them. And one of the uh, people who talk about trust most these days is Brene Brown. Some of you may be familiar with her. She's done a number of TED Talks. She is a scholar and she studies human emotion in particular, but she's written some very lovely books. And one of the uh, books that she's written is called Daring to Lead, and she talks about the anatomy of trust. And she has a little video called The Anatomy of Trust that I encourage you to Google and watch sometime if you have time. It's very, a very exquisite treatment of what trust is. Because without trust, we can't really love And Brene starts her story about how her third grader came home from school one day and crumpled at the door, and Brene asked what happened. And her third grader said, you know, I was at school today, and I told some of my friends something horrible that had happened to me that day and during recess. And by the time we got back to class, everybody had heard about it, and they were jeering at me in class. And the the teacher was threatening to take marbles out of our marble jar because when... They make good choices together. Marbles go in the jar. When they make bad choices, marbles come out of the jar. So her little daughter was devastated. And um, Brene talks about how her little girl said, you know, I'm just never going to trust anyone anymore. And that was seared into her brain. And because she's a social researcher, she wanted to go and find out what, what is trust? What does it mean? But in that moment, her concern was mostly for her daughter. So she, she, she was trying to find a way to help her daughter figure out what trust was. And suddenly she's inspired. She says, you know, trust is like a marble jar. You share the things that are close to you with people whose marble jars you've helped fill and who's helped fill yours. 
And I thought that was a beautiful example of trust for a third grader, what trust might look like, you know, how to know who to trust, the people who have helped fill your marble jar and whose marble jars you filled. But she goes on um, from that story and talks about what those marbles look like. And she developed an acronym. And I actually printed out the um, uh, acronym. It's an acronym called BRAVERY. And, and I left the printouts in my office. So I'll bring them out and share them on the back tape after worship. But she, she, the word acronym, or the acronym that she chose was BRAVERY. And the reason she chose that is based on a definition of trust by Charles Feldman. And she said that, Charles, I should say, said that trust is choosing to make something important to you vulnerable to the actions of someone else. Trust is choosing to make something important to you vulnerable to the actions of someone else. And then he says that distrust is what I have shared with you that is important to me is not safe with you. What I have shared with you that is important to me is not safe with you. And so that's a really simple, straightforward definition of what trust feels like in, in the most basic terms. But what Brene does is she breaks it down in even smaller parts. And, and she uses, again, the acronym BRAVERY. So B is for boundaries, so that we know what our boundaries are and we respect our boundaries. Other people, we know what other people's boundaries are, respect them. And and so there's that give and take, but there's clarity around that. R in bravery stood for reliability, so that if we commit to a thing, we can be reliable and people know that we will do those things. Accountability is where we own our mistakes, apologize, and make amends. That is fundamental to trust when um, there's not a culture where it's possible to make mistakes and make amends, then there's a lack of trust in the culture itself. And so making mistakes, we're not trying to be perfect. There's no perfect, but there's a space in which grace is offered. V stood for vault for Brene, and I found this really, her treatment of this quite interesting. For her, vault is keeping confidence, So she spoke about how when confidences are shared, the importance that we honor what's shared is confidential. But then she took it another step in her talk, and she pointed out how sometimes there is the way in which we inadvertently share confidences of other people, where in her example, she's like, you know, if my friend um, Katie, just picking a random name, came and spoke with me and said, you know, my Uh, So-and-so is having a divorce, and her husband, it's really ugly, and and I think that he may be cheating on her. She points out that that is a sense in which there is is a sense in which there's a false closeness and intimacy created, because in sharing that, it seems like you're sharing something juicy and kind of confidential, but the person sharing that is sort of demonstrating their lack of reliability and trustworthiness in, in keeping confidences. And so she, she calls that the vault and how often in just social settings we forget that. Um, that's, and, that and that is, I think, spoke to her most especially in her story from her daughter. That's what happened where she had shared confidences and uh, they uh, went awry. And then integrity... St- walking our talk, 
you know, living out our values, not just proclaiming them. Non-judgment. For her, Brene broke this down as when someone asks for help. Being able to ask for help and for that request to be received in a non-judgmental way and for that to be reciprocal was important. And then generosity. And for that, uh, her approach was generosity means when we when not, where we've been let down in some way and we assume the best possible intentions of why that letdown happened. And um, her example that she used in her talk was um, someone, uh, someone, I think maybe speaking with her, I think her partner for an example, on the anniversary of someone she loved. And um, the, she, you know, she was disappointed that her friend or partner had forgotten the anniversary. So she said, you know, rather than go silent and pull it out, you know, weeks later, uh, to approach and say, you know, I, I mentioned this important anniversary to you a month ago. I talked about it, and I was really sad that you didn't remember, and it was really important to me, and, and creating opportunities for, um, for there to be amendment, to, for there to be um, reconciliation in that particular moment. And what I thought was really beautiful about this rubric called bravery um, is that it breaks down for us in little chunks where trust goes awry and where trust can be built. And with her research, she discovered that trust is built on little things, not on the big things, which she thought it would be built on, but it's on what um, a gentleman called Gottman, John Gottman, who studies relationships, calls sliding door moments, where... Uh, there's these little opportunities uh, to build trust. And, and Gottman uses, uses an example where he was reading a mystery novel. He was 10 pages from the end. He really wanted to finish it. And uh, he didn't want to get out of bed and brush his teeth, but he did. And on his way to the bathroom, he passed his wife, and his wife was looking really sad. She was brushing her hair. And he thought to himself, he's like, wow, I really, I really just want to go get back in bed and read my mystery novel. But instead, he chose to take her brush and brush her, his wife's hair and ask her what was going on. And he, he lifted that up as this tender example of where trust was built. There was an opportunity for connection. And I found that a very beautiful example of a sliding door moment in what, they say, in, in what he calls sliding door moments and what Brene sort of lifts up as the opportunities for putting marbles in our jars and, and vice versa. And one of the things that occurred to me as I was revisiting this, this is something that I had looked at before, but I, it made me reflect on my own relationships, of course. I have a couple of friends who are chronically late, and I know this about them. My, my beloved roommate in college, who's one of my soul sisters, has, I don't know if she's ever been on time, to be honest, right? But we, I know this about her, and, and we've figured it out. And so there's some things that I don't expect perfection on. And so if I particularly need a prompt showing up, I know not to necessarily ask for that from, from her. And if things go awry, we certainly have enough trust to fix it. So 
I, in all of our lives and in all of our personalities, there are aspects that we struggle with ourselves when we ask for, we hopefully offer grace to ourselves in those moments and ask for grace from others. And it's this, what I loved about Brene's talk is that when she gets to the end of it, she talks about how, one, this tool, this bravery tool, allows us, when we're struggling in a relationship, which none of us ever do, I'm sure, all our relationships are perfectly smooth and we never struggle. But, but when, if we're really needing to sort of pinpoint and have a conversation around something, if we sort of reach that point where we really need to speak up, this rubric is super helpful because if we were to sit down and go through and say, oh, I think, it's, I think it's this area that's really bugging me, and then reflect on, is it reliability? Is it integrity? Is it accountability? You know, what is the area that's, that's most pressing? And then have a conversation around that. And because trust can be this huge abstract thing, but if we break it down into its parts, then we can start to address it in the relationships that we have and build upon it. And I thought this was super beautiful. But because it is epiphany, and because, like the Magi who trusted themselves to, to make a choice and say, um, we're not going back to Herod because we don't think that would ultimately lead to more love in the world, we're going to go back by a different road. She points out, she uses this wonderful quote from um, Maya Angelou, uh, who, well, she quotes Maya Angelou, who quotes an African proverb. And the African proverb says, Be wary of the naked man offering you a shirt. Right? Which is a lovely little, you know, very vivid image. And what Maya Angelou said, based on that quote, was, I don't trust people who don't love themselves, but say, I love you. And so most of us struggle with self-love, right? I, I don't think I've met a single person in my life, let alone career as a pastor, who doesn't struggle with that sometimes. But we, just as we are always working toward loving other people in more whole ways, so are we called to love ourselves in more whole ways too. And be part of being in integrity is, is just, you know, leaning into that work and leaning into that process. And I love it because when Brene talks about her little rubric bravery for, you know, judging when and how to share those things that are vulnerable, that we feel are vulnerable with other people and, and figuring out, you know, who to trust based on our marble cars and how full they are with other people. She says that the first person we have to learn to trust is ourselves. You know, do we know what we need? Do we know how to ask for what we need? Are we able to articulate those needs? Are we able to love ourselves so that we respect what those are and the boundaries that come with them? Because that, she says, is where trust and love begins. And when we develop those skills just in our own selves, then we have them more abundantly to offer to other people. And I love how she gets to that place. But I love that she didn't just leave it in the abstract. She went out and she talked to people. She created research studies that were um, repeatable to determine, you know, not the, the, the final word on the anatomy of trust, on the parts of trust, but some helpful, practical 
statements around the parts of trust that we can look to to help guide us in our choices and our relationships. And as we enter the new year and we face another year of presidential, it's, you know, this is bigger than just us and, you know, self-love. And it's bigger than being a community of loving people with each other here at Campbell UCC and in Campbell, widely speaking. As we look to this year and we reflect on the political consequences um, of choices that even our own loved ones are making, I feel like this rubric, this bravery rubric, may help us in some of those complicated conversations too if we risk having them, especially at this time. What does it mean? What are our values? What does it mean to live them? Um, And what does it mean to build trust even in our most conflicted relationships? And trusting love. You know, I um, when I originally thought of this message, I really wanted to talk more about love. Because for me, love is as abstract in some ways as trust. Like, what exactly is love? And then when I was reminded of what Brene spoke about with trust, I realized, huh, many of the parts of trust that she identified in the most concrete terms in interpersonal dynamics really does shape love and shape our ability and capacity to love and our capacity to trust it. Because if we can trust ourselves, then we can also love ourselves more and we can offer that again to others. And then what John Gottman also added to the conversation around what love means and trusting love is, is actually kindness. His 30 years of research have pointed out that when we can be kind to each other, in those simple acts, almost those small little sliding door moments, that they build love. Not just our marble jar full little moments of, of trust, but moments of kindness too. And that somehow these small things of trust and kindness fill our marble jars. So I've been playing around a little bit. I've been thinking of getting a jar with some big marbles, and I know quite how we do this, but it might be fun to experiment with filling our marble jar and uh, with acts of kindness or just sort of remembering what these are for us during these difficult times. And something that I will ask of us during, as we begin this year, especially on the note with which it was started on a national scale, is just to recognize that When a society and a nation is at struggle and anxiety has increased, as it certainly did this last week on a national scale, that is not just a background noise. Sometimes, to function in our lives, we sort of have to push it to the background so that we can function. But even though we may be successful at that, it still wears on our spirits and on our souls. It puts people more on edge. And so I invite us, especially this year, as we walked into what will almost be certainly a fraught year with those we love, uh, with those in community and as a society, that we pay more attention to that self-care so that we can tend to what our needs are and not 
pretend like this other stuff doesn't matter, because it does. So I invite us as we follow the Magi in choosing our path after visiting Jesus' manger this year to identify those two or three things that we can reliably do to love ourselves over this coming year so that we have energy and bandwidth to still offer best assumptions, offer grace, and offer opportunities for real connection in the year to come. In God's name, amen.